Welcome in. It's the Holy Grail BCJ Happy Hour. Haven't done one of these in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were we were a little occupied last night. Dave and I couldn't get our schedules to to line up, so we took a week off from the BCJ podcast. And I felt like I owed it to you guys to uh, to get one of these fired up tonight because, frankly, a hell of a lot has happened since the last time we were here, and. Uh, I'm sure there's lots of questions. I'm sure there's lots of uh, information that you guys would like to talk about. Obviously, the spring game is in the books. Football, if you want to talk that. Uh, Wes Miller, his staff, everything going on in and around the basketball program. I'm, I'm guessing there are more than a few uh, questions on that front as well. So we will get it started. I'm Chad Brendel. Keith Wettinger. That, that's how you say it, right? Wettinger? Yes. Perfect. Keith Wettinger will probably be my co-host throughout this. He's he's a veteran of these uh, these Zoom calls, so um, not really a lot to to catch you guys up on. I mean, we've I think more than we've ever done. We have been on top of things uh, since the West Miller transition, and the new staff has kind of hit the ground running. They have been on my end uh, a delight to work with. Usually these type of uh, relationships, especially, you know, with the new staff can take a very, very long time. And that has really not been the case. Uh, And that's, that's a credit to Wes and and his guys and uh, their desire to, to find out anything and everything about greater Cincinnati, about UC, about uh, who to recruit, where to recruit. Uh, I, I even had Wes ask me one night where he should live in Cincinnati to impact recruiting. And I was like, Wes, this, this ain't football, bro. <laughs> the places that you're going to need to get players from the city of Cincinnati, I probably aren't going to be the places that you want to live. So uh, live wherever you want. <laughs> and uh, it does not matter. But that's, that for me, that's been like, that's been the crazy thing about this, this transition is, you know, Coaches, by nature, generally uh, are gigantic egomaniacs. And Wes has not, Wes and his staff have not displayed that at all. Like, you know, normally you don't, you don't get a whole lot of time uh, with a new coach to kind of, you know, go over things or, or get information. Um, and with Wes, it's been... You know, he peppers me with questions far more than I pepper him, which I've never experienced that in in 25 years in in this business. You know, I, 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 you know, in the the occasion that I'll talk to him, I'll have four, five, six things I need to ask. And I'm fighting to get to one of them because he's like, all right, what's this? What's that? Who's this person? Who's that person? What's how does this work? How does that work? Where should we go to eat? Where should I take my staff to dinner for I, I, I put it, I said the precinct, you know, if you're going to take your staff for their first dinner in Cincinnati, uh, the precinct is where you got to go. Uh, so, so they did that uh, last weekend, I think, but it's been, it's been really cool. It's been, uh, it's been easy. Uh, there hasn't been a lot of, of, you know, stress and drama to it. So it is, it is made for, I mean, the Luke transition also was really smooth, just for a similar reason, I think. Luke and those guys get it. They understand how things work, how the business works, you know, the, the people you need to talk to, to, to hit the ground running. And, uh, 
we've been able to do that and it's been it's been a delight so that, that's kind of where we're at with that um you'll probably hear my dog barking a lot because of the the four 10 year olds running around the house so uh don't be surprised if you hear that going on in the background but uh, I'll, I'll turn it over to you guys questions <laughs> whatever that's why you did a zoom you didn't want to deal with the kids get away from that uh, I, you're very correct, Luke. Well, I, I mean, think, I think where Luke, Luke made the right steps when he joined, when he became our coach is that he embraced and understood Ohio high school football is uber important to building a program here. Yeah. And then when it comes to Cincinnati basketball, I'm not I'm not sure that a recruiting Ohio is a priority per se, but it's super important to understand and embrace Cincinnati. Yes. To understand what makes us tick and why we fell in love with Huggins. And for the most part, after a kind of some speed bumps, we embraced Cronin. It, it, it's, it's limiting that Cincinnati ethos and like, you know, you just, you can't be an outsider. I mean, unless you win together, but, um, big time, you right. can't, you need to be a Cincinnati. <laughs> and he's, I mean, he, I think he's done as much as humanly possible to, to try to bridge that gap. I mean, it, it's not an easy one. No, it's not. Uh, this is. Oh yeah. This is about as provincial as as anywhere you will find. Oh yeah. So I, I, I'm guessing just from knowing North Carolina and especially having Duke in their backyard, like I'm guessing he is familiar with a lot of, you know how how this city ticks uh, in some ways. So he's been able to hit the ground running there. I think um, I know he's been out having dinner with boosters and and meeting with everybody he can meet with. Um, the, the guy does not sleep, uh, which generally means that most of the time we talk because I, I'm not much of a sleeper either. Most of the time we talk, everybody else is, uh, is squarely tucked away in bed. We, we, we joke, it's our nightly, uh, state of the program, uh, address when we have a chance to, to chat. So, um, you know, he, he's done skyline, he's done rubies. I'm sure somebody's going to get some graders in front of him uh, before too long. And uh, he reached it, out to Art Long today. Somebody posted up, or Art did. Didn't Art no, post? No, he reached post? out to Corey. Corey, that's right, Corey. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Reached yeah. out, reached out to Corey, and invited <clears throat> uh, invited Corey to come down and meet everybody. Um, I mean, I know he's he's met with DJ a bunch. I know Meech has been up to talk to him. Um, generally, if if you've got any skin in the game in the UC program. Like he's, he's looking to talk. He's looking to get to know you. So and that part has been super impressive. Um, you know, he's, he's from what I know, he's dug in as far as he could on, you know, what, what 22 kids do I need to know in Ohio? Um, Mike Roberts will help him out some on the Indiana side of thing. And, and you know, Indiana did dabble into uh, Ohio a little bit. So Roberts will be able to bridge some of the gap there, but um it's been it's been fun watching and, and you get kind of uh, renewed energy when you're around somebody like that, that, mm -hmm. you know, that that has that kind of just drive 
to, uh, to, to, to keep building and keep learning. And it's fun. I mean, it, it makes this part of it, you know, a lot of fun because it's, it's much more of a, uh, an open book, I guess, if you will. And, and the, the man understands fan engagement and, and wanting to get people feeling like, you know, uh, they're involved. Does that mean you'll get a call as a season ticket holder? Probably not. No. <laughs> <laughs> if you, if you can get people to call him and tell him he needs to talk to you, then maybe, maybe, but um, no, it's and it, the, the only guy I really haven't had any contact with seven figure donations will do it. The, he'll talk to you for seven figure donations. You can, <laughs> you can, you can guarantee that. Um, I haven't really got a chance with the, to get to, to talk, connect with Chad Dollar yet. I know he's just kind of getting to town and, and getting situated. I imagine that'll happen soon, but uh, I have had the chance to start building a relationship with everybody else. And I've been, I've been really impressed. Chad, anybody he reminds you of? I Not really personality wise. It's such a different, you don't find guys really that young um, that are that are in his position. So he's got a he's got a young energy that uh, that you don't see very often. Um, I mean, in a lot of ways, you, there's there's some some Luke similarities in you know just his his personality and kind of normalness, I guess. It's not really a word, I don't think, but his ability to just be a guy and not, you know, be like some other coaches are. I, well, I think <laughs> I'm trying to dance around this as carefully as possible. Well, I think one of the advantages he has is that it's just him. He, I mean, it. He's not married. He doesn't have kids, and so right. It. it it does make a difference in this profession where you can oh, yeah. basically marry yourself to the job. Yeah. I mean, not at, you know, I I'm, I'm in a similar boat where if my, if my wife was any other human being, she would have left my ass a long time ago. She probably should now, but so nobody tell her, but it, it takes a lot of hours. It takes, you know, a lot of nights on the phone until midnight, 1230 getting things done. And um, being able to do that as a single guy, uh, not having to, you know, you can get away with working until 1am and then being back up at six, seven o'clock in the morning and, and going about your day. So it, it that you does just need to find him a good. nice Cincinnati girl to marry then, I guess, to keep him here. <laughs> <laughs> He's married to the program. He's already found <laughs> I, I think that is the one thing that that's that's interesting to me in a lot of this. Like, I, I think we get so caught up in our bubble um, and seeing somebody from the outside have that respect and uh, desire to run this program, I think is, is pretty cool. And even with Luke, like, he was an Ohio guy. He knows enough about Cincinnati, right? This is a guy that's coming in blind that doesn't really know anything, but he's said and done like all of the right things. 
mm-hmm. through this, you know, this first three weeks, four weeks, what, how I, I've lost track of time. Um, I think, I think we're at three weeks. His, his press conference was three weeks today. Um, so, I mean, it, it's, you get a sense that, that he understands. And I think that's more, I mean, you guys would know more than me. Like th- that's what the fan base wants, right? Is you, you might not be from here, but, but you need to understand what this means and why this means so much to so many people. And, and I think he has a really good grasp of that. Well, coming from North Carolina, that's pretty much playing there, coaching there. He, that, that's yeah. part and parcel. That, that's his makeup. And, you know, it, he understands, well, I mean, he's wearing a championship ring. And when's the last time we had somebody on our sideline who had one of those rings on his finger? A long time is the answer. Yeah. A long He's time. got that polish. He does. He definitely. And that, that's, that's impressive for somebody at 38. Not even 40. Yeah. Right. It's crazy. And it already feels longer than three weeks with how much radio and interviews and stuff we've seen from him. I feel like it's been two, three months already. I I was actually joking with Justin Williams about that yesterday. And that that when all the, you know, the new stuff is is hitting about Brandon and and everything that's happened. Um, Everybody mute if you can, if you're not ready to talk, just makes it a little bit easier. Um, I say it feels like it's been months that, he, that he's been on the job. I mean, it, it does not feel like we're looking at three weeks. It feels like this has been a, a guy that's been around for quite a while. And um, it's been, it's been good. It's he's been on the job for three weeks, but look at all he's accomplished so far. He's solidified the roster, not hired all his assistants and he brought back the monster factory. Talk about yeah, that, that was a big one. Talk about that, Chad. How did that evolve? Like who reached out to who first and kind of the evolution of that? I, 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 I'm not sure exactly who reached out to who first. I, I'm guessing, you know, I, Wes reached out to, to gauge if there was any interest again. But like I said, the one thing the guy does is he asks 5 million questions. And I have to imagine one of those questions was, what should I do? Like, what's, what's the best path to hiring a strength coach? And somebody on the other end said, Mike Rayfeld. And he said, well, let's give it a try. And I, I know Mike was very happy at UConn. I, I know cost of living up there was kind of a big deal because it's very, very expensive um, up in Connecticut. Um, and I, I know Elise, you know, missed being home, missed having her parents around the, the grandparents for their young daughter. Um, so I, I think everything just kind of broke right. Uh, and it took, I mean, it took legit a week because I got first word of it the Saturday prior, and then he got hired a week ago today. Um, that, you know, there was, there was a lot of fences that needed to be mended with Mike. And, and I know everybody wants to point at Brandon on this one. I can assure you, Mike had a pretty good relationship with John. Like that was not why he left. I, I think a lot of it was, um, 
how do I want to properly put this? I think with a new athletic director, there were a lot of hands fighting for the cookie jar. And Mike at the time, you know, and I, I'm sure if you're John Cunningham and you just get this job, you have been told do everything possible to keep football happy so we can get this Luke Fickle contract extension done so we can keep everything moving forward. And I'm guessing somewhere in there, you know, basketball got squeezed a little bit. And the longer you're, you're at a place and it, it, this is, I can only imagine this place from the outside because right now, you know, it looks like quote unquote, a football school, right? You're in the, you're in the top 10, You've got a top 10, top 15 coach in the country. Everyone is, you know, all, all in, all on board with the football program. You're the new AD. You come in and you're doing everything humanly possible to keep that rolling along as smoothly as you can. And I think there probably was some, some miscommunication, some conversations that probably needed to be had that weren't, um, that led Mike to kind of a place where he felt like, Maybe I'm better off, you know, seeing what my value is somewhere else. Well, if you want uh, the total opposite of a football uh, program, go to UConn. Yeah, right. <laughs> Where everything is like everything is basketball. And I know UConn wanted to keep him badly because he's I truly believe he's the best in the business as far as basketball strength and conditioning coaches. Um, so it was a slow burn. Uh, I, I know there were quite a few people that were getting tired of me every day. Like, what's the update? What's the update? What's the update? Because I knew, I knew this fan base is going to flip out if Mike comes back. Like, and I joked with Mike, Mike joked with me about this the other day. He said, um, you know, they, they don't actually know if I'm any good at my job, but they know I'm good at Instagram <laughs> and they know I'm good at making it look like I'm good at my job. Uh, but, you know, he, that was, he was, you know, kind of laughing and responding to uh, how the fan base was reacting to, to him coming back. Um, Is it surprising how much the pool, I was almost surprised how much we had for like assistance and like Mike's got to be expensive to get back from. Yeah. From UConn, I thought right? I'm still, I'm still working on finding out because his job title is different now. Um, my understanding is he's going to work directly with basketball as their strength coach, but then he will oversee every program except football from a I'm performance standpoint. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Mike's the thing about Mike is he's, he's, he's cutting edge. I mean, if he sees something that, that isn't out there in the market that he wants to try, he'll just make it. You know, he'll, he'll spend two, three, four thousand dollars and sit at his house and, and come up with whatever, you know, thing he's thinking of that he thinks is going to improve performance. Um, but, yeah, I know Mike is I know what we get with basketball with Mike, but I'm also curious if now that he oversees the rest of the strength and conditioning for most of the yeah, other sports, how I think that's going to affect other everywhere else. I, I think there will still be. Um, a couple different strength and conditioning coaches working with the other sports, but then they'll report to Mike where right. I don't think Mike is going to be, you know, being the, the head of, of every other um, 
program in the in the lender center uh but he will oversee it so well isn't his title like assistant ad for yeah. strength and conditioning so yeah. he'll i mean outside of men's basketball i suspect he'll delegate a lot of that yeah. you know one-on-one -on -one time if you will to the Absolutely. individual sports but you're right his his experience will you know and his his knowledge and his background will impact multiple multiple parts of the athletic department so it, it's really cool to get him back i'm glad that they were able to you know there were a lot of different phone calls that were made this week to make sure uh or, or last week to make sure that that this was the right thing for everybody and that everybody was on the same page and i think what John Cunningham has probably learned, and, and I'm sure he learned it through this, this coaching search, uh, football may be the top dog because of everything going on right now. But to this bas fan base, basketball means more than anything. Yeah. Yep. And speak to John Cunningham. Think about his – he seems like a guy that has no ego. Like he came in, made those decisions, and then all of a sudden he has a chance to hire the best guy back, taking the best for what's for the university and not what you know what he thought at that time. Yeah, I mean, that's part of the learning process, and he does seem to be at least open to you know exploring it and and, and experiencing it because you know again this is a guy that came in with no no knowledge of Cincinnati, no knowledge of the town, no knowledge of the dynamics of the fan base. I mean, if you remember last off season, uh, he was taken aback by the intensity of the UC Xavier rivalry when they were going through the, where's it going to be played and, and all that. His stance initially was kind of like, why do you guys care so much? Like, it's just one game on the schedule. And everybody had to quickly tell him like, no, not here. That's, that's not how it works here. Everybody cares a lot about this. Um, so he has done a good job navigating the waters. Uh, I mean, I still don't fully agree and we're learning more as time goes by. Um, I still don't fully agree with the way a lot of the, the situation went in that month that led towards Brandon, you know, the end of the season and Brandon being let go, but I'm sure there are, you know, as we've seen multi a multitude of reasons, um, I just think, you know, if you had everything complete, you probably needed to pull the trigger sooner, but everything since then, the guy has absolutely headed out of the park, you know, and, and, and those things are not mutually exclusive. Um, th those things you can, you can struggle or, or have a couple bumps in the road with one part of your job and then bounce back with the next and have a plan. And, and that plan works out, you know, almost to perfection. Um, we have some questions in the, in the chat here. Uh, Andre Morgan. Uh, yeah, I've talked to him quite a bit. Um, really, really sharp young guy, guy that, that gets it. You know, he, he's very connected in the Atlanta area, um, connected throughout the state of Georgia, uh, through the South. Uh, I think it's going to be exciting to see. You know, what level of, of talent, what level of recruit him and Chad Dollar can uh, can kind of tag team on because, you know, they're they're both in that Atlanta region. Um, so they're going to know a lot of the same people. I, I, I think that is definitely an advantage. 
down there when you can have two guys working on the same target. So you can get a little bit of a different perspective. You can have two people building a relationship. You make the kid a little bit more comfortable. You make the parents a little bit more comfortable because they know now they feel like they're starting to know everybody. Now they feel like they're starting to, that Cincinnati basketball is starting to become a family. So I'm excited to see that. Um, got to see a couple kids from the Atlanta area uh, out on the AAU circuit um, two weeks ago. And the general consensus was, you know, pretty excited to, to hear from Coach Morgan. And then um, at the time, I couldn't say anything about Coach Dollar yet. So I didn't get, you know, didn't get asked to ask about him, but uh, really impressed with Andre so far. And uh, him and Chris Lepore. Chris Lepore, I think I, if Chris Lepore is fat in a year, it's completely my fault. Because <laughs> we, we, met, we met for lunch one day. Uh, I had them meet me at Mio's. And they sent out an order. If you've been to Mio's, have you ever had their little pretzel bites, the little like pretzel balls? He's addicted. I think he's been to Mio's in three weeks, two and a half weeks, three weeks. I think he's been to Mio's five times. Those pretzel balls are delicious. Oh, they're outstanding. Haven't like, been there since before pandemic at this point. <laughs> yeah. Like literally she sent him out to the table. He had one and he's like, this is bad. This is bad, bad. Like you cannot, <laughs> you cannot. But I introduced him to a steak hoagie. So he had a steak hoagie for the first time. And I think he thought it was going to be like a cheesesteak. And I'm like, no, no, that's that's not it. Like, you, you're just going to have to order one and figure it out. Uh, he scarfed that thing down in like two seconds. He's like, this, this is good. I'm, I'm, and I still don't think he's been there five times. I don't think he's had a pizza. Like he just goes and gets like two orders of pretzel, pretzel bites and, and scarfs them down. But, uh, no, Andre's been great. Uh, Chris Lepore has been great. Uh, I've talked to Mike Roberts a little bit. Um, is one of those guys of, the, the assistant head coach or, or no? Did they they haven't one? they haven't specifically named an associate. I would guess if it's going to be anybody, it's going to be Roberts because Roberts was the associate head coach for eight years at Greensboro. But there are some – not every staff does it. Um, right. so, and it could be something where, you know, he waits a year to see where everybody kind of fits in line uh, before he actually makes that designation. Honestly, it's it, really, there's not a whole lot to it uh, other than like, that's, that's how you get the most money on the staff is to be, it, it's a contract thing more than it is like an actual responsibility thing. As your um, AU circuit, Chad, what's been the response from the coaches and the people that you talked to about Wes and his staff compared to what was here before? Um. No, I, I didn't. I mean, I didn't get a chance, a, a lot of a chance to talk about the staff before because we, you know, went into the pandemic pretty quickly. Um, I think I only had like two open events the entire time, the entire two years that they were on staff. And one of them was like the week after they got hired. Um, everybody I've talked to about West so far has had nothing but good things to say. Um, and I, a lot of it, there's still a lot of people in the Midwest that need to get to know him. Um, I'm interested when I get to some of these more national, because these have been both of the events I was at the last two weekends have been a lot more regional, um, especially Spice up in Fort Wayne, where it's pretty much all the best teams in Ohio, Indiana, Michigan, and Illinois. 
Um, not a lot, you know, not a lot of people are, are that familiar with Wes Miller yet from that group. Uh, but once you, it'll be once this summer hits and you can get to, you know, the Peach Jam and the Under Armour finals and the Adidas finals, uh, I'll get a lot better feel. But uh, to say that the last staff had worn out their welcome with AAU coaches would be uh, probably an understatement. There was not a lot of love expressed uh, after the stories that have been spreading behind the scenes for the past couple of weeks. So it was time for a change, and they, they got the change right so far. We'll see if he wins. <laughs> so we have two roster spots open for the upcoming season. I mean, I think Wes has done a really good job of mixing those guys who are familiar with how he operates with those guys who are already here. Because if you bring in a new staff, it helps to have some players there who know how Wes operates. Clearly, it looks like a possible focus is that transfer from Wake Forest, who's a big guy. Yeah. That's clearly a need. Is there anybody? Else. Is he a dude? Is he a dude? Is he, I think well, for right all, now he's a guy. Dude? Is he he's a, a dude? guy? He's not a dude. I say dude. I'm talking Trey Scott, you know, just like played out of his mind. Well, think about this, Keith. Yeah. He is a ton more experienced than Trey Scott was entering his third year on the floor. Yeah. Okay. And, and he's been increasingly good in the ACC. We have seen guys that come down from that level in the American tend to do very, very well. Right. Um, I did. I heard something that, that scared me a little bit today on Odie. Uh, and that was the name Kansas got kicked around a little bit today. And anytime that happens, you kind of just like that face Brian's making right there. You, yeah. you get a little nervous when you hear the blue bloods start kicking around on a guy. Hopefully it's not anything um, overly serious, but reality is much like cj frederick to kentucky the the getting your opportunity to go play at that blue blood is hard to uh hard to say no he, to but is he gonna play at the blue is he gonna play there i mean he's he got play here he'd be starting yeah something you got to figure out something you got to ask yourself is, is what it's worth um but that that's that's the main guy right now um i think like and i've talked about this there's there's going to be a second wave and I was talking to, to somebody in coaching about it today. They said they wouldn't, John, no. In the current landscape, no. Cincinnati is not on the same plane as Duke, Kansas, Kentucky, North Carolina. Like it, it's, it is what it is. I mean, it's an all-time historic program. But right now, they don't have the juice of Final Fours and National Championships in, in recent history. So you don't get to just come in and, and pluck whoever you want. Uh, playing in the American Athletic Conference. That, that's unfortunately not how it works. Um, I think there's going to be definitely a second wave, and I think you're going to see that second wave probably not hit the portal until like the last two weeks of May, uh, last week of May, because July 1st visit or June 1st visits are going to be allowed again. And guys are going to have to be able to. They have to decide, right? By by July first. No, you have to be in the portal by the first. By the first, yeah. You don't have to decide by the first. Now that's the the like that's a huge window this year. Next year, this gets really interesting 
Because in order to get the free year, you have to be in the portal by May 1st. And that is for teams that are, are playing in the tournament, advancing deep in the tournament, like you're not going to have a whole lot of time to make that decision next year. So that's going to be interesting this year, you know, workouts start back in June where, you know, teams are getting back to campus and starting summer workouts. I I think you're going to see a wave of guys hit the portal. Once you get back to campus and you go, Oh, wait a second. They recruited two guys in my position. You know, they added two transfers Mm. to the team from my position. What's, what's my role now. And I think you'll see another reshuffling, you know, the, the last week or two of May into the first week or two of June. So I would look at this right now with two spots um, as kind of a, a long distance race, not necessarily a marathon, but maybe a two miler instead of a hundred meter dash. So right. he's, if, he, he God, if Odie wants to uh, commit, would we, would they accept it? Yeah. 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 Um, and then you just look, you know, you know, you need to swing for the fences. I still, I, I mean, there's two open now in some way, shape or form. I wouldn't be surprised if there's three, like I, I can't with a straight face say I'm expecting a second wave, but that UC is going to be immune from that second wave. Right. Like that's, that's not how it works. So somewhere along the line, I wouldn't be surprised if an extra spot pops open and they've got three to work with instead of two. But that's just mm-hmm. a guess on your part. Yeah, it's just, it's just, I can't, I can't go out on a limb saying, I think there's going to be a second wave into the transfer portal, but then not believe that Cincinnati is going to be involved in that, right? Like you have to hold yourself to the same standard on the UC side that you do uh, expecting there to be, you know, a pretty good wave of names hit after the fact. Right. Brett posted an hour ago that staff had a Zoom call with Odie this afternoon. How do you think that went? Uh, like all of those things go, they go well. Um, they, I, I can only think of like three times where I've heard of a visit or like a, a, a staff phone call where it was like, whoa, what went wrong? Like cross the kid off the list. Funny enough, one of them was actually Tari for uh, Colorado. I, I get, you know, I, I guess whatever happened on that visit, the mom was upset about like where he was, he was rated on 24-7 they knew the guys at 24 seven and it became like this ongoing thing throughout the visit. And then Colorado crossed him off the list when he left town. Very rarely did do any of them go bad. Uh, but, but Odie, I like, that's not, you see, a, 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 you know, a unique situation with him because it's a guy that Wes recruited uh, out of high school and out of prep school. So like Wes and Chris Lepore have, a pretty long-standing relationship with that kid dating back like four years. So you're not, when you're meeting with him over zoom, you're not, um, you're not meeting for the first time you're having conversations, you're having conversations that are a little bit, you know, more advanced than hi, nice to meet you. What's your name? Like, (laughs) so they do have that working for in their favor with Odie. Anybody else? What about the, uh, the chat. guy from Louisville? Huh? The guy from Louisville, the he's a I think he's a forward too, right? He's like a stretch four. Oh, Quinn Salzinski. Yeah, I, yeah. I haven't heard yeah. I haven't heard too much detailed on him yet. I mean, I know they've reached out. Uh I don't think things have really 
uh, gone much farther than, you know, the, the early introduction stage. Like, that's the other thing is like a, a guy like Odie, because they've known him so long that that interest happens fast on guys. You don't know the interest is kind of a slow burn where you have to, you know, call a couple times and, you know, have him get to know Wes and have him get to know which assistant's going to be recruiting him. And uh, you have to work a couple different angles before you really get a good feel for whether or not you're a factor. Um, I know Shannon Russell uh, listed UC and Butler uh, as two early schools that have reached out. He's a lot different than Odie though. Quinn is a lot more skilled, a lot more of a, like a face up for face up forward type where Odie's uh, probably more of a five. Um, at least in, in his skill level offensively right now. Um, so a little bit different, but uh, I, I'm monitoring the stuff with Quinn. Just haven't heard a ton uh, about that yet in terms of, you know, where exactly things are shaking out. And the dude from uh, – there's an LSU guy too, right? They're yeah, that's the... another one that, that – I mean, you got to – they're going to reach out and talk to everybody that they think yeah. can help right now. So, you know, you, you go through this period, especially now that they're now that they're on the ground and stabilized and the staff's here. If a talented kid hits the roster that that fits what they're looking for, you're going to hear that they reached out and made a call. Um, and then it usually three, four five days before you actually get a feel of is this one getting serious or how long is the line? How many people are you going to have to beat to get in? Is it worth losing another kid because you, you know, you went all in on this one? Um, so the, there'll be a lot of questions probably over the weekend and into early next week. That'll be answered answer on a couple of those guys. And then hopefully by early next week, I have a better, you know, feel for where they are. It would be funny to, to do the old trade, make a trade. And, you know, yeah, the trade for the player to be named later with LSU. I think our, our salary cap's lower though. That's the, you hope he got a lot. You hope he got a lot while he was there. Where'd Keith go? Keith Lee? No, he just turned his camera off. No, I'm I'm still here. All right. I was worried. I looked up and didn't see your smiling face. My doorbell rang. My uh, in-laws just arrived for a overnight visit. So oh, I wanted to over. be I, I wanted to like be not distracting. <laughs> Now we know why you're here. We found out why I'm here because we've got the sleepover tonight. Now we know why you're here. All right. Who's who's Cunningham? Cunningham, keep it down. Not me, uh, but I do have a football question. Um, during the uh, spring, John Williams was on a different schedule just because he's taken. He's just so smart. During the regular season, will he miss practices as well? I mean, he is the – No, they schedule that around uh, practices in the fall. Gotcha. Because he is basically the best option at that position, correct? Yeah, well, the, the other big difference being generally practices in the fall, those practices are um, – those practices are in the afternoons. So, you know – we're scheduling practice in the mornings, right? Or, or we're scheduling class in the morning. We're scheduling practice in the afternoon. Um, where in spring, it kind of bounces around a little bit, depending on the day and depending on what mood Luke's in. 
But for the most part, those practices are morning practices at like 8.45, 9 a.m. And it just so happened, you know, in, I guess in aerospace engineering, there are certain classes that you can only take once a year, like one, literally one option per year for that class. And it just so happened that that class for John this year was um, Tuesdays and Thursday mornings. Uh, but they did a good job as we got to the back end of the spring, uh, bouncing around practice to, uh, to Monday, Wednesday, or Monday, Wednesday, Friday, so that John could get on the field because he is a critical, critical part of the 2021 Bearcats. It looks like, you know, all signs point to he's going to be the left tackle going forward. That's the position I worry about the most. <laughs> is it, is he it? held his – he he held his own, and from talking to a lot of the D-line guys, they, they all said, like, there is a huge difference when John Williams is in there anchoring the left side. Um, so I know, I know a lot of those D-line guys have a lot of respect for him uh, and, and his ability. And, I mean, you can't get much smarter than, than managing being, you know, in the two deep as a true freshman and in line to be a four-year starter essentially all the while taking aerospace engineering classes. Mm -hmm. Most, most people can't do one <laughs> or the other, much less both. Uh, so that just gives you a little glimpse on, uh, on how special John Williams is. If he's as special as he says he is, I think Des will love him. There's a clear difference when Des has protection on his yeah. side when he doesn't. Absolutely. I mean, that go look at every tape of the entire 2019 season. <laughs> a lot of games in the second Georgia half. Game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, almost all of the problems he had in 2019 were because his footwork was so screwed because he had no confidence in what was coming from behind. Him. You know, and he, it, happy feet, I guess, is the way that, that, you know, it gets termed a lot, but his timing, his rhythm was off because he knew, you know, count one, 1,000, two, 1,000. All right. Somebody's going to be here. And that, that messes you up when you're, uh, you know, you're not, but let's be honest as for as good as Des is, he's not exactly just your natural pocket passer and his instinct still, and it's getting better. It got a lot better last year. Uh, his instinct is still, you know, to get out of the pocket and get up the field. Uh, so yeah, John's John is a giant, giant piece, as big a piece as there is in terms of the unknown on this roster. The crazy thing when you look at the roster, though, is how many knowns there are. I don't recall ever having a, a UC football team that has this many knowns. Quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, the interior of the offensive line, the, the entire defensive line. Your two returning six-year senior linebackers. Uh, you're you're into your three deep with four-star cornerbacks. You know, and and you're losing two NFL safeties, and everybody's looking at the two guys replacing them, going, "We'll be fine. We might not be as good as we were with with Wig and Forrest, but uh, I, I think you've already seen some star quality from both Brian Cook and Javon Hicks." Uh, when they've seen the field and I, you just look at this roster and it kind of takes you aback 
at, at how ridiculously talented it is, especially all the way at the top. I love those guys, but Wiggins being hurt all of 2019 really helped Hicks out. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, Javon was and it helped out last year's Bearcats, we're being honest, because you got you got Wiggins back for a year that you definitely uh, weren't expecting to get him. Um, so, I mean, that's a that's a big, a big plus. Who's going to be on the right side then? Right now, it looks like it's going to be Dylan O'Quinn. Um, you know, the James Tunstall will have that's a chance right, yeah. to to win that that job at camp. But I thought O'Quinn did a good job outside of uh, not being able to handle Majay. But name me a tackle in the country that's that's going to feel comfortable trying to stop that guy. I mean. I talked about it in the in the practice notes I would write. About once a day, he would put this spin move on that just wasn't fair. Because he'd be, he, you know, he'd be charging hard, coming up the field, coming up the field, coming up the field. And then all of a sudden, he'd take one step up the field, plant that foot and spin back to the middle. And the quarterback would just be dead. Like, you know, they're lucky they aren't allowed to hit in spring football practices because there's a couple times Dez would have uh, – would have would have been on his back looking at the stars if Maje was allowed to complete those plays. At what um, point does this hurt the offense that the defense is too damn good? I worry about that because there's never a chance to get into like a, an actual rhythm. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, I, I talked about it a lot through the practices. You would see the offense have like 10 minutes where they would click. And you could tell they were really starting to find a rhythm. And then, you know, they'd change whatever, you know, uh, period in practice they were in. And the defense, like, you could see them huddle up and be like, all right, they were good for 10 minutes. That, that, that's enough for today. We, we let them have their fun. Uh, they had one seven on seven, I think the, la- the second to last before the spring game, where the ball didn't touch the ground for like four drives. And we're like, ooh, offense has got it going today. All right. And from there on, they didn't do anything the rest of practice because the defense was just like, that's enough. Like, we, we have had enough of that. So for the final three or four possessions of that seven on seven and all the way through the team stuff, I, I think they gained maybe like 30 yards the rest of practice. It, it's You wonder, like, how much, how much of it do you really need to, to build that confidence but you also wonder how much when you get to game day that guys are just going to be running in Dez's mind wide open <laughs> because there's just going to be so much more time, so much more uh, ability for Dez to, to make things happen against. Um, I mean, I, I honestly believe you see second team defense would be the number three or four defense in the league. I think that's that's bananas. Well, and I think where this defense, which is superb during practice and pressuring the offense, is going to pay a whole lot of dividends is when we go to Bloomington and we when we go to Notre Dame, especially Notre Dame. Now, granted, they've lost a lot of people, 
but they're bringing in a lot of talent. And so this pressure that the offense is facing against arguably one of probably one of the top 10 defense nationwide is going to pay dividends against these guys who have a similar talent level, a similar aggressiveness. And so the surprise factor won't be there. There yeah. won't be any surprise. Well, teams aren't going to be uh, – UC is not sneaking up on anyone anymore. True. So That's true. Uh, you, can, you can toss that out. There's, there's not going to be any, oh, we didn't realize these guys were this good. Like, you know, all Tom Wilson's going to have to do is pop on that Georgia tape and go, look, legit, and everybody's back pretty much. So, yeah, and Sauce didn't really play in that game either. Yeah, Sauce didn't play in that game. You know, you didn't have Wig. You didn't have Dokes. Ugh, makes you sick yeah. just thinking about. Didn't have Hudson for the second half. That's what kills me. How's McClellan? All right. Is uh, me. Is he back to full he, 100%? He looks fine. Uh, obviously, they weren't running him out there in spring ball. Yeah. Um, so he was doing like the non-contact stuff and he was in pads every day, uh, but they just didn't have him go live out of uh, no necessity really to do that. I would guess. And I, I posted the uh, post spring quarterback article uh, yesterday, early next week, I'll have running backs. Uh, I, I mean, I would guess McClellan is going to be number two as long as everything checks out. Uh, if not, that's going to be a really fun battle between Ethan Wright and Ryan Montgomery. I think, and Miles Montgomery, once he gets to town, I think Miles Montgomery can be a factor there too. Um, I think that's going to be a fun one going in. And, and isn't it crazy? Like, what are you looking for at camp? I'm really dialed in on that number two running back spot. <laughs> well, it used to be every year you had like a, a list, like, all right, offensive line and then defensive tackle and what do you do with this linebacker and you, corners? And, no, it's like, oh, no, really, uh, left tackle uh, and number two running back. It really dialed in on number two running back. And punter because we lost, you know, arguably one of yeah. the best punters in the country, which helps defense. Yeah. Talk about the rake and what the difference is between him and, and uh, Smith. He doesn't, he doesn't have, you know, obviously the big thing for, for Jimmy because he was here for so long was the consistency. I mean, he was a metronome. You knew at minimum the ball was going 46 yards with hang time that can't be returned. Um, and, I, you know, I think what you have to do is reset your brain to James Smith's freshman year. And if you remember, I think he only – let me pull this up real quick. He didn't – his yards per kick were not overly impressive his freshman year. Um, but he had great hang time, so none of those kicks got returned. So nobody really thought, you know, too much of it because it, it wasn't like you were getting hurt by it. Um, here we go. Yeah, his freshman year, he only averaged 42 yards a kick which is, is solid. And, it, you know, I don't know that, you know, I, I would guess the rake will probably somewhere be more like 40, 41. Um, but that was the lowest of Jimmy's career. And that was the year the offense was terrible. 
So he punted a lot. Um, the only, only time he punted more was 2019, another year where the offense really struggled with three and outs. Um, so with the rake, I, I, you know, we saw some big kicks. I saw most of, of his, his middle ground being right in that 40 to 42 yard range. Oh yeah. He'll always be the rake. He's not getting away from that. I don't know if he even knows it yet, but, uh, but, but his buddy, Jimmy tagged him with that. And the funny thing is, if you look like uh, a couple weeks ago, Brady Collins talked about like he, he kind of hunches over, you know, how when punters stand and they have that kind of hunched over ready to get the ball, that's how he is like at all times. He's, he's a good six, eight. If they get his shoulders squared up, that kid is tall for the people that went to the spring game. Like he is freakishly tall. Um, but I think there'll be a learning curve, obviously, as long as he can stay consistent and just and get good hang time and allow the coverage team to get there. I think that was probably my biggest concern is I saw a few too many line drives that that just make life hell on a, on a coverage team because you don't know where the ball is um, because your timing's off. So that would be my biggest problem with him. And, and yeah, you know, how many yards, Keith? How many yards do you think James Smith punted for in his Cincinnati career? Oh, I, I couldn't hazard a guess. Anybody? Anybody want to throw a quick guess? 10,000. 10,245 yards. Wow. Well, that was pretty close. <laughs> that's, that's a lot of, of flipping field position. Well, I think the best thing we can do for our freshman punter is to keep him on the sidelines. There you go. The only, time, like, the only time I want to see a kick is an extra point and a kickoff. And that's pretty much oh. it. And the occasional field goal. That's it. This is, I think this is maybe the biggest testament to how much better the offense was last year. Smith's first year, 64 punts. Second year, 59 punts. Third year, 72 punts. Fourth year, 40. That's, that's if, if, if you can get to a point where you only have your freshman punter punt 40 times, you're doing pretty good. Yeah. You're doing pretty good. Yep. Yep. Uh, um, I saw, good. Well, and I wouldn't. Grant, I mean, Smith, he, our, our former punter was fantastic in doing the coffin corner thing and getting the thing out of bounds within the 15 yard line. What, three touchbacks his entire career? I would, and two of I them weren't his fault. If, if he's going to kick a line drive as he gets used to doing this job, I'll take the touchback as opposed to, the coverage the team to worry about some stud back there returning it 80 yards. Yeah. I mean, that was the thing about Jimmy. He literally was a metronome. You knew almost exactly, and that's why he's going to be in the, the NFL for a long time. You knew almost exactly from the time the ball was snapped where it was going, exactly where it was going to land, like on which side of the field and how long it was going to take to get there. And – 
I think after you watch that so many times over four years, you take it for granted as it's easy. Like Jimmy Smith made that job look easy, easy for four years. So I think that's, that's the biggest challenge that Mason Fletcher is going to have is stepping into a role that, you know, the guy before you made look like uh, an afterthought. He just assumed something great was going to happen when the ball, I mean, it was like when, when Huber was here, I've never seen anybody win a game like Kevin Huber did against Rutgers where he pinned them inside the one twice and inside the three another time. And they just couldn't, they couldn't get out of their own end of the field. What was that game? 10 to seven. There's a reason why he's on the ring of honor. Yeah. There's a reason why he just signed what is this 13th, 12th, 13th year in the NFL as a punter. Kevin's done very well for himself. <laughs> and then, uh, do we know who's going to serve for uh, uh, punt returns? Because I know uh, Montgomery had a bad game at UCF. I mean, that's going to be Montgomery. You, you don't give up. He's been outstanding outside of one bad game. Um, it'll be interesting. I think you'll you'll see Will Pauling uh, back there maybe a little bit as well. Um, as you saw, if you watched the spring game or you saw the highlights of the spring game, he's got a little shake to him. And that touchdown he scored to end the spring game was absurd. Catch, spin move, and then a little, you know, plant your foot and, and watch a guy go diving past. That's like, that's some, some shiftiness we haven't seen since a, a guy named Gilliard was, think, uh, was playing here. And we're going to get whoever's back there. We'll get no shortage of opportunities to shine. Oh, there's there's going to be a lot of three and outs. Yeah. <laughs> be a lot of three and outs this year. I, so I, no, I don't think there's okay. Go ahead. Um, it's more big picture, but with the extra year of eligibility for not just you know, every sport, how many like high school seniors are that would have been role players or bench guys in like big schools are getting like left out of those scholarships. I mean, it's not something we're not going to know for a couple of years. Well, right now, uh, it just seems like, uh, but, the, the, but there's only so many scholarships in basketball. And right. But so the first, the, this first year, it's a, there's a waiver. So you, you can yes. go over your limit based on, you know, the number of uh, super seniors that you have on your roster going forward. That's, I mean, that's going to be the million dollar question. I mean, Teams are, look, teams are going to have to make some really difficult decisions on there's, there's going to be kids that want to come back. The teams are going to be like, eh, you know, we need to, we need to move on. We need to, to get the, the next guy in line uh, up and ready to go. And then, you know, those guys are going to hit the transfer portal. And I, I don't think it's going to be, I think the bigger issue for freshmen is our teams because basketball it's going to happen there are going to be teams that just shift their focus to the portal that say we're going to go find a guy that spent a year in college has trained for a year uh hits the transfer portal and now no longer has his free transfer so now not that you don't have to worry about him leaving but it's a lot different path for that kid to leave. Like, I think that's a bigger, much bigger danger to high school seniors than anything. I've heard straight from assistant coaches talk of 
we're not recruiting this kid to land him this year. <laughs> we're recruiting to land him when he gets to the portal. So that there's going to be a lot of, a lot of, uh, readjusting and reconfiguring recruiting plans and recruiting schedules and, and how you're going to go about things. Um, because it, it changes the whole, the whole line of thinking for a lot of coaches because, you know, you're, you're seeing it now. Freshmen are just, if they don't, if they don't play like they thought they were going to play or their things don't go exactly how they thought they were going to go, they just hop in the portal and, and the coach has to deal with it. And, um, there's not a lot of stability in building a roster that way. So it, that part will be interesting, you know, in terms of it's not going to be a problem for, you know, four-star kids. Every, somebody's always going to want those kids. But when you're digging for the, you know, the diamonds in the rough and that three-star range and that range between, you know, number 200 and number 300 in the country, I think some of those kids are going to see, like, it might have to drop down a level lower than they expected uh, just because the, the way that teams are going to recruit is changing. I don't think you'll see it as much in football. Uh, I can't see football teams wanting to um, – and we've seen it here. How many, how many transfers here have really worked out? Not a, great, okay. not a great number because it's a guy that hasn't been – I think there's a lot more value in football. Jerome Ford, yes, absolutely. Well, and Hudson I, too, Dino, right? Hudson, uh, Dino Boyd, I thought was awesome in his yeah, one he, year. I think I think Dino doesn't get nearly enough credit for how good he was. Des's freshman year, Kyle Washington Cook. had a good career. Cook transferring up, Michael Young, but James in White. All it's still yeah, in all it's still a crapshoot. Yeah, in terms Beavers. of yeah. It, it, it's still a crapshoot in terms of more often than not, there's guys that, that don't end up working out just because you're trying to, to fit four and five years of work into a very small window. And a lot of the guys we mentioned, like Luke's philosophy on it has been a little different because it's been very specific. We need help at this specific spot. You know, we, we have to get a safety. So they go out and they get Brian cook. We, we, we have to get a running back for when Dokes moves on. So they are because Warren really because Warren declared a year earlier than expected. So you go out and I mean, there's, there's worse ways to find a transfer than to go get a kid that started at Alabama uh, <laughs> in the opening game of the season. I would always recommend that route. If you can go get a starter from Alabama on the transfer we should portal, do that. you should do that. Michael Young, mm -hmm. if you can go get one from Notre Dame, that's played a ton of football in Notre Dame. I would suggest that as well. <laughs> you think there's a lot of tampering going on? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's, I mean, I don't think any of it's direct, but like I know in basketball, look, AAU coaches and college assistant coaches are the same people. Like they all know each other. They all come from uh, the, the, the same pool of, of candidates. And a lot of the assistant coaches in college basketball started coaching on AAU programs. Um, so yeah, they talk, they talk a lot. Well, and I think it's Todd's John Brady from LSU. I need to talk to you, sir. Please give me a call back at your earliest convenience. Well, and I think this has been mentioned multiple times. A lot of these kids that are in the transfer portal 
they're in there for a reason and yeah. it's not necessarily a good one right so you have <laughs> to do that's the you have to do your due diligence on the, on these transfer portal kids because you don't want to bring in all it takes generally you can get away with one bad kid on your roster but when you start getting two and three and they start having the ability to form that click themselves and start infecting everybody else that's when you start seeing start seeing serious serious problems uh the cj frederick thing now i don't i think that was a little bit overblown um i mean it it was the funny thing is he's not from kentucky like everybody because he went to cuff cat everybody believes cj was from kentucky he's from cincinnati his dad ran what used to be J Corps, which is now iHeart, which is EBN and WLW and 1530 and KISS. And his dad was the general manager there for a long time. His uncle is the sales manager there now. And his other uncle is the guy, the general manager for Q102, B105, 94.9. Like they are radio royalty in Cincinnati. He's a Cincinnati kid. But, it, you know, it, that allure of going to Kentucky is, is what it is. But Cincinnati was very much in the mix. They were very, very much like, I know the kid and his dad were blown away by Wes. Um, when they took that phone call, initial phone call from Wes, they expected it to be basically similar to their phone call with Xavier. Like, you know, we appreciate the interest. Thanks for your time. Um, but, you know, we're looking in a different direction. And UC slugged it out for like five, six days before, you know, Kentucky became Kentucky and the kid went down there. I I'm fascinated to see like if, if coach Cal can really change who he is because he is not a guy that likes guys like CJ Frederick. He wants athletic defending long, like physical guys on the wing and not that CJ's, you know, not athletic, but he's not as athletic as a lot of the, the wings that Cal has had. And uh, he's a shooter. So we'll, we'll see. I'm, in, I'm fascinated in that situation. Well, if you look at why Kentucky, well, pretty much stunk this year, they couldn't hit the side of the barn with a basketball. Right. They need somebody who can put the damn ball <laughs> in the hole. But <laughs> as a coach, you are who you are. Yeah. I know. And and you got to pull the trigger on putting a guy that can't defend back into the game, you know, in a, in a two-point game with five minutes left, even though he shoots 47% from three. Yeah. But he can't, but he can't get a stop because teams are just going right at him over and over and over again. Like, that's fascinating yeah. to me. It, it, leopards, leopards don't change their stripes. That's true. That is very true. Um, I'm going to get to some of these chat questions. Chad, you should have told of. him that. Try CJ. No, where's Tobler at when we need him? I know, right? That's supposed to be Tobes' job. Come on, Tobes. Uh, Louisville probably not happening. I don't know anything on the schedule yet, just because these guys are still sorting everything out, and I, I don't know how far along they are in that process. Uh, I would guess that's something that probably either just got started this week or running into the next uh, week or two before they really start looking at that Louisville. I have a hard time thinking Louisville's going to happen. Uh, 
I just can't see Chris Mack doing that after everything that's gone down, considering it was kind of a favor to John anyway. Um, do I think Daz will play differently now that he's a father? No. I mean, he might be a little more tired here through the summer. <laughs> but at this point, five years into your college career, you are who you are. Um, I don't think that's going to be that much of a big deal. Uh, speak about former UC players as coaches. Um, I mean, I, I think the cat's kind of out of the bag there on what I know. I haven't confirmed this, but you guys have seemed to uh, run with it on the message board on who might be joining as a, a graduate assistant. You know, sometimes you, you gotta, you gotta market yourself. You gotta, you know, always network. You gotta keep your options open. Catch my drift. Um, I think that'll be really fun if it happens. Great kid. Uh, and then I do expect DeMar to be uh, in a, in a support role. Sounds like director or player development, which I think would be a great role for DeMar to, uh, to get things started. He really, he does a great job relating to the kids and, you know, the kids always listen to a guy that was number one in his class and, and number five picked in the NBA draft. Uh, that tends to to grab their ear pretty quickly. Am I got anything else? Uh, the uh, we lost a couple battles to UK this uh, week on the recruiting trail, or I guess it was UK. What Afari was UK, and was it Popeye went to Louisville? Louisville. Yeah. They starting to get mad about that. Yeah. Uh, there were some people that weren't thrilled yesterday. Kid wants to go four and eight in the SEC. Great. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. As much as I despise Vince Morrow, like he is a really, really good recruiter. I would love to see how he talks to people because I want to like, I don't get it myself. I mean, they, they sell the SEC hard. You're going to, you're going to come in and you're going to play against the best competition in the country. They've been getting guys drafted. Yeah. They've stabilized the program. Yeah. Um, yeah. Chad, do you see? Oh, sorry. Go Chad, ahead. do you see any of uh, the guys that might have looked over UC us taking a second chance with if UC has a season that some a lot of people here are expecting, or does Pickle stay true to his way and say, once you don't pick us, we don't want you? I, I think they're going to be full by then. I don't think it's going to matter. I mean, you're always going to, you know, we're still looking. They're probably in like the overall number being around 20 to maybe 22 you're going to hold two or three spots for transfers so that takes you down to like 19 17 and they're not far off from that right now so i think by the time you get to the end of the season it's going to be you're either you're either in the boat or you're out um obviously they're they're pretty happy with where this class is at right now uh already so you add four or five six more guys um and that's going to happen because you're, you're finally going to get, you know, official visits pop off starting in June. They've got, I think, three visit weekends set. Camps are they, – they've got camps scheduled in June, so you're going to have guys getting to campus and, and getting back to, you know, the reality of seeing everything and, and getting to, to actually get some buy-in and some feel for things and, and the way the program is run. I mean, you're in a very realistic situation. This could be – 
a lot like last year where by the time you get to the season, you're, you're almost done. So, I mean, if you, if you're wanting to jump back on the ship after you already let it pass by, I don't, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of opportunity for that. Uh, How worried should we be for a backup quarterback, uh, second string quarterback this year, if he needs to play? I mean, worried enough, right? <laughs> it's you better get a lot of uh, uh, time in in the Miami game, I guess. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I think he look. I think he's going to get a lot of time in the AAC. I, I don't think this league is is on an upswing right now. I think they've got a couple programs that are stable, but not a lot. Um, I think um, he's second second half of games. I think he's going to get a lot of snaps in AAC play. Uh, over under, God forbid, something happens to Des, but over under, how many uh, how many snaps does uh, Evan take this year? I I don't know. Uh, you give me the over under, and I'll answer the question. Okay, let's say you can't ask me to set something I haven't thought about until right now. Come on, one hundred ninety. Um, I'll go. Ben Bryan. Ben Bryan got that about much last year. Brian got that much last year. I did that calculation when I was asking that question for the podcast. So, but but Ritter went down a couple times in the middle of the game, didn't he? Like a couple not nagging, not things. anything significant, not not, not anything where yeah. not anything where he was out. You know, enough like Ben picked up thirty snaps because Des was out. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, I think there's going to be a lot of games that you're going to see a lot of one. I How think many, okay. How many games does Evan get in in the third quarter? Ooh, six. Five six. six. Five or six is where my brain goes. Yeah. Well, you have to think you've, all, you've, you've got a situation also where if they're up 35 to seven, Luke's going to want to get Evan in there because guess what? We are not only one snap away uh, in, the, in the short term, we are for sure one year away from Evan Prater, yep. Prater being the starting quarterback for this football program. You're going to need yeah. to get him snaps. You're going to need to get him as comfortable as possible. You know, so if you get up four or five touchdowns, get out there, yep. young blood. Let's go. Not Let's only go. do they have to get him snaps, but they also have to let him throw the ball. You can't just hand off. You, know. eh, you want him to throw it some, but you just need him to get out there and get a feel for what the situation's like more than more than anything. And, and, and did he redshirt? Did he redshirt last year? Or is he everybody uh, redshirted last year? Everybody right, redshirted last That's year. That's awesome. Well, the whole country. Point, to your point, I mean, it's important that Evan throws, but it's much more important to hit, get him used to game getting to the speed. line. Yeah, getting, calling the play. Yep. It's I. I think Evan leading the scout team this year is actually going to be huge, though, too. Last year. Or he did lead it last year? Yeah, he led. He won't be leading the scout team this year. No. He, he's your second, he's second string quarterback. No, he's he's taking almost as many snaps in practice as, as Dez is getting. Um, no, he ran the scout team last year, which I think was smart because it gave him, you know, some situations to actually be out there running the team instead of just uh jogging in with the third team offense you know for three series of practice um Jim, i think that was probably the thinking can i finish talking i'm sorry i think you're done and you're not done you always stop and then you keep on going my bad 
No, I'm kidding. What's up? Um, what's use more important? Evan Prater's development or Desmond Ritter winning a Heisman? I mean, I, I it's Prater's development long term because the, the odds of Des winning a Heisman are just small, yeah. I think. Uh, but if he gets all touchdowns in the first two games, he definitely – I mean, granted, it's not a lot of competition, but he gets 12 touchdowns and then scores five against IU, there would be plenty of hype going into the Notre game game. Again, all hypothetical, but – yeah, I mean, being a, a candidate, I think he can be a candidate for the Heisman Trophy. Just winning it from a from a G five spot, it would be very, very, very difficult. Well, now, if he, think- if he if he blows up Indiana and Notre Dame, maybe. But well, I think there's been a lot of comparisons between this upcoming team versus the Brian Kelly undefeated team. And I think the one clear advantage the Kelly team had, they had Zach Claris in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. When Tony Pike went down, there was not much of a drop-off for the most but, part. But and we didn't know that until Tony went down. Right, but it, that's the unknown going into this season. If, if for whatever reason, Desmond picks up a knock, has to like sit out – a drive or a quarter or perhaps a half can Evan come in and manage the game. He doesn't have to win it, but can he manage it? Here's the biggest difference between that team and this team. This defense is elite. That defense was not elite. Right. And I get defense will be Evan Prater's best friend. You hand it to, you hand it to Mr. Ford and let him do the job. And then you play action and give it to the tight ends. Yeah, right. Elite. And, I, and I get that. And that's why I said, can he manage the game? Can yeah. he maintain that composure to like, you know what? I can depend on my defense. I can depend on the running game. I don't have to win it. I can just manage it and get us across the line. Who wins in a yes. script between Dez and, and Evan? Probably Dez. I don't know. They're both so hard to judge because they're both like that long stride. Super long, like, yeah. It, you know, you, you don't get really a feel watching them run live, like how fast they really are. Uh, Des, Des told me he's going to run in the four threes at his pro day next year. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, Des reminds me of Kaepernick of how he runs. A little bit. I mean, it's, it's definitely that long stride, like uh, kind of a gazelle. Uh, look as opposed to uh, somebody like me where I look like uh, the road runner. <laughs> How do you see the like, Yeah. How do you see like Denbrock's play calling? Is it gonna I know so much of our shotgun was the 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 old RPO. No. Yeah. Is how is is it gonna change from last year? I know we always got well, I mean, I, I, I think that depends on how well the tackles hold up, right? If you've got time, you know, you're in a lot better situation. And I, I really think Tyler Scott just changes this offense. Because I, I didn't think Jason Jackson was all that great of a compliment to, uh, to Mike Young. Young. Yeah, I just didn't, like, 
they, they both kind of did the same things. They, neither of them really could, could, could break a game open. Now, you, you saw some situations where Jay Sean got open uh, deep from time to time. But Tyler Scott just, he runs such good routes. He's got such good hands. Like, he's got some toughness to him. I really think that combination, when you get Pierce on one side and then you get Young and Scott on the other side, where either one can be in the slot, either one can be outside, you can stack them, you can put them with a tight end in a, in a three-man formation on one side. Like, those two together, I think, make things really interesting for Dez and for Denbrock. And as long as you get solid tackle play where Dez has some time you know, and I'm not talking like a seven step drop and stand back there and pat the ball. Uh, but if you can get him into a five step drop where he's got some time to let stuff develop, I think you can see the offense really open up because the defense is just pulled in so many ways that you've got to watch Ford out of the backfield. You've got to watch the tight ends. Um, you know, you, you've got to watch a guy like Tyler Scott or a guy like Michael Young going over the top of you down the field. You have to watch for Alec Pierce going over top of you down the field. Um, so I, I really look forward to all the different ways that we'll get to see Denbrock kind of utilize uh, all the weapons that he's got now. I, I still am in, in awe that they were able to do to that receiver room what they did in, in one offseason. Chad, in your opinion, though, what was our biggest issue the first three games of last year, offense-wise? Um, like, what would Carson has to do that? They're just for some, for whatever, I think one, you had an entire new wide receiver room. And I don't think a lot of, of time was able to be given to those guys. And all the um, off season of COVID. Yeah. You, you didn't have time really to, to throw. They didn't have time to build a whole lot of chemistry. Um, and, and you're just kind of like throwing it out there and, you know, figuring it out as you go on the fly. I think that, you know, he didn't, I think, what hurt probably more than anything early Des was always so dialed in with Josiah, right? Whenever he got in trouble or whenever things kind of broke down, he instantly went to Josiah and that not having that, I think um, kind of really threw him off a little bit early in the year. Um, and I don't think the, the, the shell shock of not having, any protection from the year before had really kind of washed away yet. And he had to kind of feel through a couple games that he was actually protected and that he had guys open that he could throw to. Um, I'm sure also some of it had to do with that camp. You were dealing with that defense every day. <laughs> and again, I like, I, it has to be hard to gain confidence throwing against that defense every day in practice. It cannot be easy to just chalk it up to, eh, they're better than us. He, he would not, not hold the ball like either on the RPO, right? He wasn't running. He wouldn't hardly. pull it now. At the beginning of the season. And I wonder if that was just level of competition where they told him not to. Yeah, yeah. Like, here's the other thing people kind of kind of brush aside in those first three games. Even though the offense didn't play well, those games were never in question. Those teams. Army was those, army. There was a little bit of heartburn. Yeah, but that was really, that was defense dominated that game. 
Yeah, that wasn't because that that was because of a you know a a guy made everybody wants to point to that option pitch. I was standing right there when that happened. That kid from Army made a hell of a play, and there were two guys that just got absolutely split. And I can't remember it was the the two guys on the outside. Yeah, two guys to block one, and he just ran straight through them. So Army was never really like Army was not Army could not have run that ball at all. And their quarterback threw the most lollipops I've ever seen in my life. There was no zip on his pass. Like, how do you get to be a quarterback at the division one level, even if you're running a triple option? If that's what it looks like when you have to throw the ball. It looked like, remember when you were like a kid and you were in the, in the outfield and they would just throw pop-ups to you and you had to like wait underneath. That's what that kid from army looked like throwing. So I wonder I mean, how that's much why he went to army. Was, yeah. But, but <laughs> I wonder how much of that was like, these games aren't in question. We're trying to work on some things and we're not showing uh, too much of what we're doing quite yet. I know it gave a lot of people heartburn watching the offense the first three weeks, but uh, they bounced back fairly nicely. Pretty good, yeah. We good? Anybody else? I got a fan. What about, about Jalen Thompson out on the outside, too? How many rushes he again? Jordan Thompson or Jordan Jones? Oh. Well, Jalen Thompson, wide receiver. Oh, he was like a four star. I thought you said Jalen. Yeah. Jaden Thompson's he's in that mix. I think the problem for Jaden Thompson right now is he's he's not as good as Tyler Scott. And that's not a knock on Jaden Thompson. That's Tyler Scott has been outstanding. So, you know, he's kind of in that battle where he's got a veteran in Pierce and a, 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 a fast rising guy in Tyler Scott that, he, that he's got to beat out. Um, he had a good spring. Uh, you know, he, he popped up probably two or three times of practice making good plays. Uh, I, I still think there's a lot of promise with Jaden Thompson. I just think he's uh, he's going to have to he's going to have to work hard to to battle and win some playing time. So is he a two then? Safe to say. Yeah, safe to say. Right now he's a two. All right. So he'll be he'll be ready to go next year probably. I mean, yeah, I, you would think you would you would think. I mean, I you, Blue Smith came on a little bit um, towards the, throughout the spring, and then unfortunately he had to quarantine for the spring game. So nobody got to see the progress he had made, but um, blue Smith was finally out there being a factor that, I mean, like I said, that's that wide receiver room to see how it went from this room is absolute garbage to now you're looking at six, seven, eight guys and Jordan Jones, Jaden Thompson, along with Michael young and Alec Pierce and Tyler Scott, Chris Scott made some plays. Uh, throughout spring ball, Will Pauling looks like he's going to be outstanding. Haven't even mentioned. Um, crap. Nope, Tuck, uh, Trey, Tucker. Him yet. Trey Tucker. Yeah. Haven't mentioned Trey Tucker. Um, you know, that they went from a complete lack of talent to how do we, how do we manage to get all these guys on the field? And, and now you're going to add a, a, a six, two guy, six, three guy that runs a 10, 300 meter dash and whose dad was a legend at Ohio state into the mix. Uh, once we hit June and drew Donnelly. So yeah. the, the, to say 
that I think Joker Phillips was terrible at his job would be an understatement. And what Mike Brown has done in, uh, in, in revamping that since he was replaced has been outstanding. But Joker cashed all his checks, I'm sure. That goes to Luke being able to identify coaches, too. I, I think that's one of the things that really isn't brought up. Like, he's had some tr transition on coaches, but everything he's done and brought in new is just seem like it's worked. Like, you just mentioned, like, Joker to Mike Brown. Mike Brown has done an unbelievable job, and he was basically an unknown coming into Cincinnati. And with same with Darren Page taking over a running back. Like, and Scruggs. And Scruggs. Scruggs, Hitchler. Nobody knew who Hitchler was. Perry Eliano coming out of nowhere to take over from Mickens. I mean, name a bad hire other than, than Joker Phillips. Name a bad hire Luke's made on his staff. Yeah, he's he can identify talent not only on the field but off the field as it relates to coaches. It's very but, impressive. He does a really good job in the interview process, finding guys that understand what he's looking for, finding guys that grasp his vision, that understand like the direction he wants to take this program. Um, and that's that's a rare talent, man. Hiring, ask, ask uh, the, the the senator in Alabama. And I was thinking about that today. Like that that what was holding things together for Tommy was Eddie Grand and Steve Klinkscale and Darren Henshaw. And once those guys left and he, and he replaced them all with graduate assistants, basically everything fell apart because he wasn't, he wasn't out there coaching. He was standing over talking, Todd, you know, this, he was standing over talking to us at practice every day for like an hour. Yeah. He, 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 Tommy was not big at coaching at all. He was very hands-on. Like he want, I, I, he wanted to let his coaches coach, which I, I, I like that philosophy. I get that. Like you hired these guys, but the problem is when all the guys that are good at it and have experience move on, and you replace them with guys that were in college like three years ago, then you then you start getting beat by fifty at halftime. Zach Taylor disagrees, but no, I'm just kidding. Um, that. Good coaches coach their coaches, right? And that's where Luke is really like – Yeah. That's an unknown – that's like an, a very subtle thing. And you made a great point about the previous regime before, before Luke. Like Luke, his ability to coach his coaches and coach them up is just really impressive. I joked with Perry Eliano at, um, at Pro Day when, you know, everybody's doing all their timing and whatever, and Perry was standing around watching. And I'm like, we joked when he got the job, like, Coach, you don't know what you're walking into. Like, you have no idea. You might have watched some film to think you're walking into a pretty good room, but you have no idea. And so I hit him back up at Pro Day, and I was like, I was right, wasn't I? He's like, boy. <laughs> not only, but not only was it just Sauce and Kobe and Arquan, but then – you know, Jaquan Shepard and and the, the guy that really has blown me away that I think is going to be maybe next in line to be the next big corner here is Todd Bumpus and, and Sammy Anderson and, and, and Justin Harris, who was the number one corner in Ohio, is now like your number seven, your number eight corner. And you got Malik Rainey that as a freshman was 
getting second team reps in the slot and in, in the nickel and making plays all throughout camp. Like that corner position, man. But Perry's done a great job with them because they all continue to develop. They all continue to get better. Uh, and they all love that guy. So he does it, it, some of these names. Everybody thinks they know like the, the, the right guy for Luke to hire when a, a spot comes open and then it's, it's Mike Brown or it's Darren page or it's Perry Aliano that comes it, it's, it's hitch Colin Hitchler that we, you know, was, uh, was helping out with the defensive line. Um, that, that, you know, he, he's got his finger on the pulse of how to make things happen. Uh, you know, Mike Trussell was kind of an easy one that we all had on our radar. Uh, you know, you want to know it for, for all you, you old timers that have been around for a long time. Mike Trestle is Bob Mangine 30 years ago. And when you see Mike Trestle and when you hear him talk, you'll never be able to unsee it. Mm. They're, they're the same height. They're the same like energy. They have the same mannerisms. Like we have been cracking up. He, he is legitimately like Bob Mangine from 30 years in the past. They're, they're 20 years. Eh, I don't want to give away how old Bob is, uh, but from a long time ago. He's Bob Mangine from a long time ago. Bob Mangine from when I was in high school. <laughs> we good? Anybody else? Check, I think check we're good, Chad. Well, thanks for popping in, guys. It was. Uh, it, I, I'm sorry that I we didn't get a BCJ podcast last night, um, but I thought this was a good way to make it up. We had great. We had, we had great attendance today. No, sorry, Dan's. No. I'm not things, you know, here's the thing. Things have mellowed. Life is good. Yeah. So I'm not worked (laughs) up to the point of cussing at people randomly. Um, I gotta, I gotta be in a different headspace for that. Like I'm, I'm pretty mellow and relaxed, uh, right now. So we got Max joining the room, Max, I hate to break it to you, buddy, but, uh, we're, we're on the way out. Uh, thank you, Dave. So thanks you and your staff are great. Uh, and kudos to my staff through all this like i'm a lunatic um so i'm non-stop but you know they're part-time they've got full-time jobs they've got a lot going on and they are uh they are very dedicated to this thing and making bearcat journal successful and we have we have heights we have hit heights that if you'd have told me when i took over five years ago that this is where we'd be uh in five years i'd have told you you were a crazy person and uh that's because you guys and in large part because of the staff and, and the content and the message board, even though, you know, sometimes it can be a little much at times. Uh, a little much. On that, Chad, I was just going to say, um, if you're not a m- member of Bearcat Journal, you should probably subscribe. Uh, being somebody that's intimately familiar with everything that goes on, there's nobody that could have grown the site the way that Chad has done. It's unbelievable to see the growth. Um, when we first started this, what, 15 years ago, Chad, there was 30 people as members. And if just, we were lucky, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's back in the rivals days. And just to yeah. see the growth, uh, I just want to tip my cap to you and everybody you, that, that is a, um, a part of your team. You guys are doing an unbelievable job and uh, so happy to see that. And uh, Bearcat fans are really lucky to have you as part of, of that room. So kudos, bro. hundred percent. Thanks guys. It's uh, 
it's a labor of love. I, I, I wouldn't know what to do without it. Like I would go crazy because it's, it's, it's funny because like everybody asks, like, I, I don't, thanks for not going to UCLA. That was tempting. That was it. Look, I'm going to turn the camera back on. Look, I love LA. <laughs> like I loved my time in LA living five blocks from the beach. And, you know, when you have a rough day at work, you just go hang out at Sharky's on the pier in Hermosa beach and have a couple drinks. And, and all the, all it's shocking all the time. That stress just kind of, kind of goes away when you're, uh, you're hanging out with girls in short skirts and bikini tops. And, uh, <laughs> remember but, you're married. Yeah. She's not up here. So I can, I can talk freely. <laughs> She doesn't look, I married the greatest woman in the world. So she knows, but uh, going to LA was that opportunity was the only one that, that has really been one that I had to like, like think on, but you know, I still, I still support Mick. I'll show you what I, I'll show you what I had on. Don't get mad at me for this. Uh Oh, Uh Oh, (laughs) he is a big guy, by the way. And I, I would not have the relationship I have with Wes Miller if it wasn't for Mick vouching for me. But Matter of fact, Bearcat Journal would not be where it'd be if it was not for Mick Cronin. True story. But this is what I was wearing around today. Nice. Hopefully I had somebody. It, oh, come on. I, I've gotten a couple care packages from Westwood that, uh, <laughs> that have been very good to me. Um, but no, Mick, Mick, Mick has been... This site would not be where and Todd is absolutely right from from Todd's relationship with Mick when he first started to to Mick taking me in. Uh, BCJ would not be anywhere close to where it's at if it wasn't uh, wasn't for Mick and really with Tim for Butch Jones. Tim like was Butch, big. Well, Tim was huge on the football side and Butch Jones loved Tim. Like Butch Jones tried to get Tim to move to Knoxville when he took the Tennessee job and Tim was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> No, <laughs> I'm about I'm about to retire from all of this. Why would I move to Knoxville and deal with that head that headache? Um, but it, it's been a lot of fun, Dave. I, your wife, I'm sure, loves us. I, I hear that a lot. Of time. Look, trust me. As long as you don't have chores to do, your wife loves that you spend all your time clicking on Bearcat Journal and leaving her alone. <laughs> All right, that's going to wrap it up. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate it. It was a uh, it was a great time as always, and we'll get another one of these. I think. What, what do you think, Keith? Like once a month? I think so. I think so. I mean, through the summer, I think once a month is is sufficient, right? Right, right. And then as the season and fall ramps after every- up, maybe I wouldn't say once a week because you guys have already two podcasts a week. This is, that would be overkill. But certainly big events, you know, know, bigger events, following big games, I think is always, yep. Popping in here. Like, you know, if it's a, if it's a three o'clock game, everybody popping in here at 10 o'clock. And uh, as long as we can keep Aaron off the line, uh, obviously post Notre Dame has to happen. Especially if we get the dub. Yeah. (laughs) That's, I'm going to be up there, so that's going to be a little difficult. Oh, yeah. No. Well, maybe the day after. Who knows? That might be a, that might be a Sunday, like a Sunday evening, um, especially if it's a win. 
Oh, yeah. We'll figure something out. We'll yep. figure something out. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Thanks to all the guys that joined and made this another great BCJ happy hour brought to you by the Holy Grail. I'm Chad Brendel. We'll see you next time on BearcatJournal.com.